Hello <laughs> and welcome to our <laughs> podcast. It doesn't have a name, but it's a Harry Potter read along, uh, a chapter a pod. My name is Anna, and my name's Louis. And we are in no way qualified to do a podcast. We have at all. Yeah, we have no expertise. This is new to us, but we love Harry Potter. I, I think that's an understatement. How how would you state it? I mean, I know everything. We know everything there is to know about the books and the movies. I I feel like I want to try and find some things you don't know in the course of this podcasting. Go ahead. Challenge accepted. There is not one thing I don't know about. <laughs> I mean, okay, right. Well, that's my new goal in life. <laughs> um, <laughs> to find something you don't know. Yeah, what are we what are we going to do in this podcast, Zoe? A number of things. Basically, it's a, as you said, it's a read along po- uh, Potter podcast. We're starting with the first book, obviously. We're going to have favorite lines. Some other segments. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just going to talk about the things that we think are interesting. We're going to just relive from the beginning the the glory of Harry Potter and we should probably say at this point that it it's not going to be spoiler free um we're gonna talk as people that have read them many times before because I mean that's what we are re-readers this is true should we should we tell the I'm sure numerous listeners of our podcast um how how we know (laughs) how we know each other uh yes go ahead I'll let you tell them Okay, so Zoe and I are friends. We have been friends for a long time. How long now? Uh, about ten years. Ten years. But she is also married to my brother. So we are sisters-in-law. We are sisters-in-law too. Um, yeah. Often confusing when we're talking about each other to friends. Yes, this is true. Because, well, you elaborate. Well, the question is, do we say that we're friends first or sisters-in-law? And then it gets confusing because you say one and then you have to add the other. I mean, by the time you finish introducing the other person, um, the person you're talking to has probably lost interest. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, wait, you must know the full depth and dynamics of this relationship. (laughs) (laughs) From the top. (laughs) But um, one of our major bonds, we have many, but one of them is Harry Potter, and we think we're hilarious, and <laughs> the, world, the world should should listen to us and our thoughts on Harry Potter. So I feel like we should we should get right in there before mm-hmm. anyone's like, I don't care about you and your life, talk to me about Harry Potter. Yeah, Philosopher's Stone, let's talk about the book in general first. Uh, tell me about when you when you first read it, what are your memories of that? So I was thinking about this, and I can't actually remember, you know, sitting down and reading the book, because it was a long time ago. Mm. It's published in 1997, but I don't think I actually read it until around 2000. The only bit I do remember, because we had to write a book report of what we'd read over the weekend. Um, And the bit that I'd read was about when Harry goes to get his wand. And I remember that I was shocked, absolutely shocked, that Harry's wand was a brother to Voldemort's. Shocked to the core. 
Oh, see what I did there. <laughs> what a see pun. <laughs> this is the kind of high quality comedy people can expect on this They're podcast. already hooked, Tana. They're already hooked. <laughs> I think they are. So am I right in thinking you were set this uh, book as in school? I don't I don't actually know. I don't think I was. My my primary school English teacher was really encouraging. I think she gave the book to my sister first, who is a couple of years older than me. Um and then I'm sure my sister probably passed it on to me. But my teacher, Miss Amin, if you're listening <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> uh she probably, you know, helped me to carry on reading. Very good. So in a similar vein, my older sibling, my brother, your husband, uh, he he had the books. I think they were given to him. And I remember my mom telling me to read them. And I think it did actually take me a couple of attempts to get into it, would you believe? Um, I wasn't hooked straight away. I do find that difficult to deal with. <laughs> I know. Who, who even am I? <laughs> But I think I, yeah, I think I also read in about 2000. And I was, when I was thinking about this, um, I realised that the house I lived in at the time in Bristol, England, uh, that is the house that I picture as Privet Drive to this day. Mm. Um, yeah. And the <laughs> the room my little sister had at the time is uh, is Harry's room <laughs> when when he gets upgraded but we'll get yeah. to that. That's that's quite a few. That's a book ahead, in fact. No, no, that's not a book ahead, Anna. That's a couple of chapters ahead. Does he get upgraded to to the room in in the Philosopher's Stone? Yes, because of the letters. Um, you really do know everything. I I did tell you. I did tell you. I'm, I I'm worried I've just lost any confidence that any of the listeners may have had in my in my knowledge. It's gone. You did, you did sell yourself as an expertise, <laughs> you know, So just the story saying. of this podcast is going to be me trying to rekindle <laughs> the, the faith <laughs> in my abilities. So, um, happy memories reading the book. Um, mm-hmm. Sad story before we, before we actually get into the content. In trying to find my copy of The Philosopher's Stone... Uh, I I couldn't locate it, and I still cannot locate it in my house, which is very distressing. I was able to read from the new illustrated version, um, which you actually gave me for Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But really quite gutted that I can't find the original. Mm. I, I, I presume it's somewhere in the house, because I just feel like it's not the kind of book you lend out. Well, at least not without a proper library membership card. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And some sort of legal contract about yes. <laughs> um, keeping it in condition and, yeah, all of that. In fact, I, do you know what? I'm not sure there's anyone I actually like enough that I would <laughs> I would want to lend them that copy. You know, it, they're in every charity shop. <laughs> you don't need mine. <laughs> That's true. I, feel, I, would, I would allow them to read it in the house. Yes. Um, you can come but, over. <laughs> yeah. Feel free. Um, also, uh, an interesting little fact about the first Harry Potter book. The first editions on the back cover have a picture of Cornelius Fudge, Minister for Magic, where, and then the reprints have Albus Dumbledore. Oh, yes. I know this because my sister has a copy of Cornelius Fudge and I have a copy of Dumbledore. Ah, so she has like one of the proper originals. 
She was straight in there when this came out. That's good. Because I'm, I'm, I think I'm right in thinking that you can't get the original editions with the, with the classic three colour blocks. I don't know if that makes, do you know what I mean? On the spine, I'm, it's got yeah. the distinctive three colour blocks. I think you can get those anymore. I'm surprised at that. Yeah, well, when I was in, so I actually last, last Monday, a week ago, I was at the Harry Potter studios in Watford, at the Leeston studios, and they had the books there, naturally, and those editions were not there. They were all new covers and new versions. Well, I um, I feel even more fond of my original copies now. Mm, you should. They are unique. Anyway... Yes, let's let's get started. <laughs> Ten <laughs> minutes a... in. Wait, chapter one, <laughs> The Boy Who Lived. Intriguing. Intriguing. Technically refers to all living males. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, so, Zoe, lead us off. What were your thoughts rereading? So, my initial thoughts were to do with the style. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, everybody knows that they get distinctly more adult themed as they go along but I was surprised on rereading of just how geared towards children the first one was yeah definitely they they have that you can like hear the storyteller you know yeah they have more of a presence yeah and there's there's a line in there where um it says when Mr and Mrs Dursley woke up on the dull grey Tuesday our story starts so it's like it's very much someone reading it out loud to a listener and I would be willing to bet that I think that is the only reference to the like the presence of a narrator when they say our story I don't think that ever occurs again no so yeah it definitely has its own tone yeah definitely I also we should probably mention that I've I've been reading the American version just by pure accident I stumbled upon it and the thing that I noticed about the first first little scene about the Dursleys was just how very English it was and I think I picked up on this more because I'm reading the American version. Oh interesting so did you notice some of the um, word differences because they changed the words right for the American versions? They have they've changed a number of words Mm -hmm. and I I do I find it hard to believe that a lot of Americans won't be able to understand our correct language (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like they were you know underestimated by the publishers or whoever made the decision to have separate versions like you know they thought Americans were so stupid (laughs) they would just be absolutely phalonyxed by words that are not ones they would frequently use (laughs) like I, I mean nobody in their right mind would able to would be able to understand what a motorway was a highway yeah a highway also one that definitely this is one of our favorite lines i think from this this chapter is when dudley says the word shant shant yes his his new word that he's learned which is a very posh word i must say for a like one or two year old however old he is yes which brings me back to the how english it is i mean nobody in their right mind would say shant especially when they're one or two (laughs) shant shant um, but the American version changes that word to won't. Won't, yeah, that is a more frequently spoken term. I don't feel it has the same effect. No, it doesn't. And shan't has a comedic value, for sure. Yes, 
Yeah. I think I want to reintroduce that into my vocabulary in a big way. Shan't. <laughs> Shan't. <laughs> but then it, that makes me sort of a horrible person. <laughs> I mean, if someone's trying to ask you to do something you really don't want to do and something that you shouldn't be asked to do, fine. But I feel like there's no polite way to say it. Well, I mean, if there's a man in a van asking you <laughs> if you want to get in his van because he's got sweets, you can definitely <laughs> shout out, shant. That classic situation that never happens. <laughs> Stay safe, kids. Stay safe. We're all about safety on this read-along. <laughs> so, any other Americanisms, Englishisms? Uh, yes. Um, I think the first one that I came across, other than shant, was the phrase lemon drop in place of lemon sherbet. Oh, yes. Interesting. Lemon sherbet, a classic, a staple of English sweets, not candy, sweets. Mm. Um, changed to lemon drop. Now, when I hear drop associated with a sweet, I think of a cough sweet. Oh, gee. Yeah, I don't. maybe that's just me. Is that just me? I think of a pear drop. A pear, yes. Okay, fair enough. Let's scratch that. I sh- I think we should also clarify at this point if we do have any American listeners. We actually love America. So oh, much. we do. And we, we spent love two Americans. weeks there. We we do. <laughs> we practically live there. We went on holiday for two weeks. Um, yeah. But yeah. we 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 do stand by the original version of the Harry Potter books. Yeah, and. We encourage you to do so too. Yes, I mean it's not it's not difficult. I don't feel to decipher the English words. No, it's not. Although I do have a friend. Shout out to Liz. Hey, Liz. Hi, Liz. Um, who I was conversing with. She is American, and <laughs> I referenced a spanner in in the context of throwing a spanner in the works, and she did not understand what that was at all. They would use. I think it's like a wrench. Would they say a wrench? wrench or something? Yeah. So yeah, it it can be it can be tricky. I have just realised we have failed to do probably the most important thing, and that should come first is is a summary of the chapter. <laughs> what actually happens? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I am too. We will we'll remember that for next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll let you uh, hit the listeners up with a summary of chapter one: the boy who lived. So we we are introduced to a family, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, Vernon and Petunia and their son Dudley. We get the sense that they're very normal. We get an insight into their daily lives, but we also learn that they have a secret, which is uh, related to Petunia Dursley's sister, Lily Potter. And we learn of sort of interesting, slightly odd occurrences that happen. Then this sort of builds up. We have owls and odd people dressing and a, and a cat reading a map and such. And there's a concern from Vernon Dursley, who the story sort of follows, that this is connected somehow to the Potters. And it turns out it very much is, because we are then introduced to uh, McGonagall and Dumbledore, who arrive, well, Dumbledore arrives during the night, and we learn about the backstory of Harry, we learn what's happened, and Harry arrives with Hagrid. Uh, there's a lot of characters we meet in this first chapter, actually, now that I think about mm. them. So Harry yeah. arrives with Hagrid, and he is left 
on the doorstep of number four Privet Drive. A move that greatly distresses me. I don't understand why why they wouldn't watch to say that he's seen that he was, you know, okay through the night. <laughs> yes. I picked up on that as well. And also I think we do need to talk about Dumbledore's blatant disregard for Harry's welfare at the end of this chapter. We know that it's the week before bonfire night because the kind weatherman has told us. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be pretty darn cold. That's true. God. Why then has Dumbledore left Harry, a small one, one-year-old child, wrapped in blankets on a doorstep in Surrey? I mean, the outrage. It, yes, quite. Call social services on that man. <laughs> um, except don't, because Dumbledore. We, we love Dumbledore. Speaking of Dumbledore, I would really like to raise this issue. Let me just turn to the part where he is introduced to us uh, and read the description, because I was slightly taken aback by an aspect of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, here it is. He was wearing long robes, a purple cloak which swept the ground, and high-heeled buckled boots. Yes. This is, I mean... I'm picturing somewhere between Santa Claus and a cowboy here, which is this is just never an aspect of Dumbledore that I sort of incorporate in my imagination. I don't see him as a boot wearer, particularly a high-heeled boot wearer. If I'm honest, I don't imagine what kind of shoes he would wear. <laughs> I see, I see robe and then floor. Yeah, I think that's the typical wizard image. Mm. But, but. Good old Joanne, JK, has has Mm. given us that information in case we were interested. He's a boot wearer. He is a high-heeled, buckled boot wearer. (laughs) And, yeah, that took me by surprise on this rereading. I mean, I I, I do love that JK gets Dumbledore's eccentricity in there, like, from the get-go. So not just with the high-heeled, buckled boots. Um, But also the fact that they're having this conversation, him and McGonagall, about everything that's happened with you-know-who and Lily and James and what's going to happen to Harry. And Albus Dumbledore is just sat there um, sucking on a few lemon sherbets. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. There's never a bad time to enjoy a a sherbet lemon. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't have one, you know. Much later in the in this series, you know, just just before they they pop out to the to the cave, have a sherbet lemon. In fact, whilst we're whilst we're on the boat across the uh, infra-filled waters, have a sherbet lemon. Ah, oh, can, can you just imagine that the? Uh... <laughs> I mean, it, it's spooky. It's eerie. Harry doesn't really know what's going on. Dumbledore's rustling in his cloak, <laughs> and out pops a little paper bag of sherbet lemons. <laughs> Uh, I think that we can. Uh, this should be a new a new feature on the on the pod. Every week we should say um, the perfect Dumbledore sherbet lemon <laughs> moment. We'll have a sherbet lemon moment for every week. I am so up for that. Uh, another uh, eccentricity of Albus Dumbledore, which I particularly enjoyed, is his reference to the fact that he has a scar. That is a map of the London Underground. I want to talk about this because. Yes. I, mm, no, I don't understand <laughs> what this would look like. Like, this this would have to be a monstrosity of a scar. It would have to be large and with lots of odd circles on it. I, I'm struggling with this image. Yeah, I mean, just, just on his left knee. I mean, that's not a, it's not a huge area. No, and he's, he's a, 
a skinny older man. <laughs> mm. I mean, does this map go all the way out to zone six, or is it just the usual <laughs> one and two? <laughs> <laughs> would would it, would a day ticket suffice to get around the underground that some Dumbledore's need? We need to know these things. Oh, JK. JK obviously is going to be listening to this, so maybe she could she could write in and let us know. That would be great. I'm sure, definitely sure our musings will, will reach her. her <laughs> <ears>. <laughs> Any other thoughts that occurred to you in this in this first chapter? I did just want to just carry on speaking about Dumbledore. Oh, continue, yes. Can we talk about the put-outer and the future of the put-outer? Yes, we can. Namely because it is described here as a put-outer with capital letters, which leads me to think that, you know, that's what its name is. However, being, you know, huge fans of Harry Potter, we know that later this is called the Deluminator. We do. So, I mean, has has JK changed her mind with that? Or has she put it, has she named it as a put-outer because of the uh, tone of this first chapter? You know, it's more geared towards the muggles. Yeah, that's that's my rationalisation of it. Mm. I think we're, we're being given an insight into the magical world, but very much from, well, from a muggle perspective, because we're, we're sort of lumped in with the Dursleys. So we're sort of mm. seeing everything with fresh eyes. So I think my interpretation of it is that she's naming it what you would guess it like would be called or or how it mm. kind of appears. That's what I think. Yeah, I think I think that's okay. Yeah. Um which actually that brings me on to another aspect of this chapter that actually blew me away, quite frankly, is gosh. how much detail of the magical world is there that sort of passes by a first time reader but as a rereader you're like gosh like she really does have even chapter one there's so the whole world is right there she knows it well and there's just casual references so we get a reference to Madame Pomfrey we get a reference to um what's his face the Daudelus Daedalus 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 Diggle, yes. We get a reference to Sirius Black, that classic reference yes. which ends up being important later. Also, this this very moment when Harry is being left on the doorstep is the very moment in which um, the whole shebang with Sirius and Wormtail is happening, is it not? Yes, this is true. That is going on at the same time. My, it is mind-blowing, as you said. And also, I've, another thing I sort of reappreciated on a rereading was the sense that when we're being introduced to the Dursleys you get a hint at the relationship between these two families between the Potters and the Dursleys and just a sort of it's not really an insight but just a sort of reminder that there was a time when they both functioned at, like they both existed at the same time and there was a a relationship however bad there because obviously we're mm. used to the books the fact that the the Lily and James are dead, and there's, you know, that's that. But I like that hint to the idea that there, you know, there was a there was a time when these people all knew each other and they all coexisted. Mm, yeah, definitely, and yeah, because I mean, this is ten years before we come back in chapter two. Yeah, you do you do tend to forget that period 
and the time before. You know, Harry Harry wasn't just born eleven years old and go to Hogwarts. <laughs> he had he had a life. Um, can we talk about one thing? I thought, you know, let's let's get deep. Let's get deep on the podcast. Let's <laughs> let's make it real. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the the rationalisation of odd behaviour because we get a lot of that from Vernon Dursley. He sees people yes. dressed up. He sees um, owls and the cat and he's very good at passing this behavior off as you know he explains it away mm. and i really think that's like a really clever move on jk's part because it does make you feel like as if this world could exist and you could have come into mm. contact with it but you have rationalized it away in some way yeah that's very true i i don't i'll be honest getting deep i'd not really thought about that before i mean obviously I, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy the way he rationalizes it, but I've never thought about that, you know, as being JK's way of kind of merging the two worlds and like because let's face it, it's such it's such a relatable world because the wizarding world is so ingrained in the real world, mm. the muggle world. Um so yeah, it is. It's kinda of like doors into into both worlds. I think it's a great introduction, uh, actually. You know, there's a lot there, um, but it is gentle at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you, like you said, you as a rereader, you know from just from this chapter all of the different little backgrounds and things to these characters. Yeah. So I mean, even though all she's told us is that the Dursleys were perfectly proud, perfectly normal people, um, didn't hold on to such nonsense. Like we know the background to that as readers and and we can see how jk has started to already infiltrate that in the first chapter yeah definitely and let's talk about the dursleys because i was thinking about them and how they are awful but i actually love them as characters like i really like them (laughs) i think it's because she manages to sort of create these awful people but they have such comedy value yeah, there's a, this. This is what what I was saying. They're so English, it hurts, <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> so I mean, just the just the whole um, Mrs. Dursley had an extra long neck so that she can like <laughs> because she peers over the fence at her neighbours, um, and then oh yeah, when uh, Mr. Dursley comes back, all he does is mention the Potters, and then Mrs. Dursley Petunia is outraged at this as if you know the world is ending all he's done is mention a name <laughs> classic overreaction and classic for any american listeners that may may be listening british people we we do like to be normal we like to blend in we don't like to cause a scene <laughs> we, we like very average happenings so this is this is a bit of english humor but like to the extreme here that she's like so upset that there might be something not ordinary about them also i love the de- the neck descriptions like both vernon yes. and petunia their necks are described <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a such an obscure feature but it really like makes it <laughs> it does i mean when you i mean their necks are really integral to their characters <laughs> they actually are it's quite funny and it makes them funny as like a couple to like imagine as well yeah, because they're just like polar opposites, really, when like looks wise. Yeah. Um, but then obviously the way that they think about this nonsense um, is is a binding force. Also, a favourite description is um, was a big beefy man. That's Vernon. <laughs> beefy man. <laughs> Again, another word I would like to start using more, but would 
probably make me quite rude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't. I I mean, maybe if you've got a, a roast dinner on the table, you can you can describe that as quite beefy. <laughs> That's true. We actually, um, for listeners, a little fun fact about our lives: we have a mutual friend called. Well, she's not actually called, but she has a nickname, Beef. Um, so she's pretty beefy. <laughs> yeah. Also, ironically, a vegetarian, but we won't get into that. <laughs> this is true. It's true. Maybe she can be a guest on the on the podcast at some point. Yeah. We can we can introduce our our beefy friend. <laughs> <laughs> beefy friend. <laughs> Much in common with Vernon. No, literally not. <laughs> so, Zoe, favorite line. Favorite line. I mean, I've got. I've got three. Am I allowed three or do I have to narrow this down? I mean, it's a favourite line, singular, but, you know, it's the first pod. You can give me three, but maybe tell me your fave of the three. Okay. I mean, one of them we've already mentioned is um, Dumbledore saying, uh, scars can come in handy. I have one myself, but my left knee, that is a perfect map of the London Underground. Yes, that is is a cracking line from this show. It is. My ne- I see. I've got a soppy one and a, a one that made me laugh. I bet your soppy one is the same as my my favorite. I'll let you go ahead. You say it then. You say mine. It. The one where they say every child will know his name. Mm. Was that what you were going for? Yes. Would you like to read the actual line and not my awful paraphrase? I mean, I can. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I would love to read out this line. Um, this line <laughs> is one of my favourites. Um, Lesson about podcasting. Be better prepared. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Where is it? Um, oh, I found it. I found it. Okay, you get... you. What's your favourite line, Anna? <laughs> so, Zoe, my favourite line is... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if today was known as Harry Potter Day in future... There will be books written about Harry. Every child in our world will know his name. It actually gives me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I I am nodding my head vigorously in agreement to this line. It's just so amazing how that came true. It happened. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about this as I was thinking about somebody reading the books for the very, very first time. And now I don't think you'd ever find a reader that didn't know that Harry Potter was about magic. You know, even if they knew literally very minimal, like couldn't really name any characters. I think it's become so big, you you have to know it's about magic. And I felt like that would actually affect a first reading. um, Yeah. As opposed to someone that literally would just pick it up and and just read chapter one and didn't, were, were very much in the same boat as the Dursleys they really they didn't understand what all these goings on were about whereas Mm. now I feel like even a very naive reader would be like this is magic (laughs) yeah definitely what was your funny line uh so my funny line uh was then suddenly Hagrid let out a howl like a wounded dog (laughs) and I know this doesn't sound funny Anna I am aware of that but I find it hilarious because a number of reasons a, it's just so Hagrid. I mean, that that is Hagrid. B, it's hilarious because it's such a sombre moment. They're leaving Harry with these muggles and his parents are dead. He's an orphan. It's all very, very sad. It's all very, very quiet as well. And then Hagrid, because he's not one to, you know, hide his emotions, just lets out a howl like a wounded dog. <laughs> 
Do you know what I think would make this great, Zoe, is if you actually could give us a rendition of how you hear this howl in your head. Uh, I mean, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> I think I think the pod would just really suffer without it. I think we need a howl. I mean, I just don't think I could do it justice. I'm disappointed. <laughs> you have let me down. Um, I'm gonna keep pestering you on that. I want. Oh, here's here's a deal. I've got an idea. If I manage to find something about Harry Potter that you do not know, and you have to be honest about this, my friend, you're gonna have to be honest. Yes. Because I don't know what you don't know. Um, <laughs> if I do manage to accomplish that, you will give me a Hagrid howl. I mean, and what what if you can't accomplish that? Then the howl will remain forever within your head. Or maybe the howl would come from you. Okay, yeah, I accept that. I I don't okay. know the howl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, I don't think anyone's ever discussed a howl <laughs> quite so much. The word is like losing meaning to me now. Right now. Howl. I have a question for you, actually, that occurred to me when I was reading this chapter. Backstory: Zoe is the biggest cat lady in the world. <laughs> I'm not even denying that. (laughs) She loves the cat. I would be really concerned for your future if you were, you know, sort of single and gross. (laughs) Because you would be a a cat version, like a a Sybil Trelawney with a cat. (laughs) I mean, I I was just going to suggest Mrs. Fig, but yeah, Trelawney Trelawney with cats. No, Mrs. Fig is (laughs) definitely, I I really regret not going there first. I know that didn't occur to me. Uh, But fortunately, you are not gross, you are lovely, and you are married, so you're I am married. You're set. Um, But you you still love the cats regardless. I was wondering if that actually increases your love for the wonderful McGonagall. Um, I mean, slightly, but not a lot, because I feel like she's probably not a cuddly cat. Yes, that's true. She she wouldn't have petting. No, she I, she would not allow petting time. She may she might be one of those cats that rolls over and lets you think that you, she wants you to stroke her belly, but then the minute you get there, it's claws and teeth. <laughs> that's a mean cat. Yeah, McGonagall would not be a cuddly cat. But let's just, let's talk about McGonagall for a bit because Mm. she's freaking awesome. She is. I love McGonagall. She is wonderful. And it's great that she's right here, chapter one, right there. Yeah, it kind of shows just how much of a main character McGonagall is. She's not just like a sidelined teacher. She actually plays quite a big part and, and has quite a good relationship with Harry. Yeah, their relationship's really interesting, actually, and one we can talk about as as the story develops. Yeah, definitely. She, like Dumbledore, she has quite a good... Um, quite, well, she she has a little bit of eccentricity in her, um, but I, I don't think that shines through until later on in the series. Yeah, I think that's true. She's, she's very sort of straight-laced to begin with, and then you get a sense of what's kind of beneath her. Yeah, but I, I feel like she reminds me of a few of my actual teachers in that sense. Like, they, they're they pretty stern and they want you to get the work done, but they do it because they care. And when you get to know them, they actually, you know, they're a really nice person. Also, I, I really feel like 
the first half of this chapter that's not in the film because we can talk about comparisons with the with the films mm. um there i mean obviously we know the films had to be massively cut down because we don't want to have five hours to watch literal moment by moment rendition of the books although i totally would do that i mean i probably could <laughs> <laughs> but i just was just feeling kind of forlorn that that whole first part where we meet the dursleys in more depth is missed out because it's so it's so funny they're just such funny characters and yeah. I do feel a bit like sad that they're not incorporated in the films more because I'm really fond of them as characters actually like I think they're really interesting people and they just provide like some of my favorite lines of the entire series come from the Dursleys <laughs> just they really do they're just idiots but it's amazing <laughs> yeah I mean I mean the main thing I love about the Dursleys is their overreactions <laughs> um, I mean, we'll, we're going to get to some of those pretty soon in, in coming chapters. A few chapters with these guys. They're going to keep us company for a while, which is good. <laughs> they, I, and I think it's one of the aspects of the book as well that I have a really like clear picture of in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, Private Drive is very vivid to me. These characters, those ones are very real to me. I think because we know, like you say, like with McGonagall, the, they're very like people that you meet um mm-hmm. and yeah I can imagine speaking to them and just yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I if the Dursleys if the Dursleys were real I definitely would watch a fly on the wall documentary about them <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny I'm yeah I'm really excited for the next chapters with them because they're just great <laughs> yeah they are they are um final thing Final thing, because I think we're reaching our close of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the ages of Harry and Dudley, because I was a bit confused by some of the information we are given. Mm-hmm. Because Harry, we know Harry is like one in a few months. Yeah. So, But he's still described very much as a baby in a blanket. Whereas... And in my in my head, Dudley has always been the same age. But then he's described as like walking down the street with his mother kicking her, which seems quite a bit older. Do you have any insight, oh Oracle of Harry Potter, Zoe? <laughs> Oracle of Harry Potter. Uh, well, I did I did pour over this a little bit when when he's going down the when McGonagall talks about them walking down the street and uh, him kicking his mother. I do believe it doesn't actually say that Dudley was walking. I believe that Petunia was walking. Um, but I assume I assume that maybe he was in a pushchair. But then at the same time he was he was screaming for sweets. It is it is it is difficult. Because he is supposed to they are they do go to secondary school at the same age. Yes. So we we know that Harry Potter's birthday is the thirty first of July. And from the next chapter, we know that Dudley's birthday is maybe a couple of months before this. No, yeah, maybe a a month before. Because he has his birthday, and then they have all the letters, and then it's Harry's birthday. Oh my goodness, yes. Which would mean that he's younger... No, older. Older. (laughs) Older, but only by by a month. (laughs) We'll just... just, 
uh, swipe over that that bad maths. People <laughs> <laughs> one before uh, younger, no older. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really stupid. <laughs> Basically, I believe that Dudley is only a month older than Harry, but the description of the two in this first chapter is a bit too too far apart. Yeah. And we can forgive Joe that. We can. We can, yeah. I mean, you don't really get the same picture. Um, I mean, if you, if they were talking about leaving a one-year-old toddler on a doorstep, it doesn't have the same effect as a baby in a blanket, does it, really? No, it feels like a different thing. Yeah. But, you know, it was the beginning. It's okay. It's okay. We can, we can, We can let some things slip through the net. It doesn't have to be watertight. And also, yeah, Harry has always been small, and Dudley, thanks to his father's genes, (laughs) has always been large. (laughs) This is true. With that, we must take that into account. Thank you, Zoe, for your insight. That was was good. You're welcome. Once again, not a thing I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to beginning to get into the uh, Harry-Dudley dynamics, another relationship I enjoy. Yeah. That'll be good for next week, which will be chapter two entitled the vanishing class the vanishing class yeah. didn't even have that up on my screen did i you just you just knew it because you know <laughs> everything okay good for you <laughs> awesome <laughs> so this has been this has been uh, episode one book one chapter one mm-hmm. all the ones all the ones we hope if you've stuck with us this far and been listening that you have enjoyed it and mm-hmm. you don't mind our chitter chatter i feel like we should we should maybe address uh the poshness of our voices and just explain how being together and talking to each other affects that you go ahead you can explain <laughs> um so i mean we you can probably tell that you know we have quite we use correct english let's put it that way good pronunciation however when we're together and speaking together that does heighten an awful lot i don't know what i'm saying sorry this is uh, <laughs> completely untrue I, I like to think that i'm very very you know colloquial <laughs> yes yes um yeah we get we get posher together we can only apologize but i mean that that's that's who we are i say we're we're sitting around the emma watson level which is an acceptable because she's very, yeah. she's got, you know, Queen's English going on. She is well-spoken. I mean, the thing that we don't do is the long A. We don't do that. Not from where we are from. <laughs> I mean, the next chapter is called The Vanishing Glass, not The Vanishing Glass. Yes. Although, if there are American listeners, they would very much prefer to hear the long the long A's, which are that is typically true. English, The Vanishing Glass. But it, it does hurt me to say it that way, I have to confess. Let's just let's just start a revolution with this. American the American version of an English accent should not include the long A. This is true. People will learn. <laughs> they will understand our ways. Um, we're gonna change the world with this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that we've got high hopes or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, we need we need an outro, Zoe. Can you Yes, we do. Um <laughs> You've you've been listening to uh, Anna and Zoe reading Harry Potter. 
that's it. We need a name. That would make it easier. I'm, I'm just going to sign out. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Ta-ra. See you next time. Bye.